born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Now, to get out, what else he says here? Because of the law is the knowledge of sin, that's why we know that we're all sinners. So in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. In other words, I can have God's righteousness without works. God will give me his righteousness without works. And then he says, even the righteousness of God in verse 22, which is by faith in Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. See, his salvation, and I always understand, it's always to everybody, but it's only upon those that believe. So this is what he's saying there in verse 26. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness. Because they had to declare his righteousness in the Old Testament. Because of the payment that was made by Christ, all those sins in the past were paid for by Christ. And we believe that. So down in verse 28, he says, Therefore, we conclude a man is justified by faith without what? The deeds of the law. Is that clear or is that not clear? That's what he says. Clear as a bell. So, and yet there's people that say, well, you've got to live the life. That's why some people reject trusting Christ. Oh, well, I'm not ready to live it. Who said anything about living it? You don't have to live the life. You don't have to live the Christian life. You don't have to walk that straight, narrow way to go to heaven. Christ is the narrow way. When you have him, you have what you need to go to heaven. Otherwise, why have him? If you've got to live it, then what do I need Christ for? What was that for? To give me a start? Was he a Daniel Bowman or David Crockett? Be a trailblazer, you know? This is the way. No, that's not what it's about. Now, these verses are very, very important, but I hope you see that. But I want you to see another verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When we say we believe the gospel, we mean we believe the good news. The good news is that Christ died and paid for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day, just like the Bible teaches. Now notice what he says here in verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Now you can write these additional scriptures down in your little book if you want to. Uh, I guess we need to let you keep those books. Otherwise you can't write in them because then you'll never get the right one back. What do you think? All right, keep the book. All right, here in verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, 
how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Bible teaches Jesus Christ literally died, paid for sin, came back from the dead. You see, if you could be killed today and come right back from the dead, what's the problem of being killed? If you knew you could be shot and then just come right back. They try to make movies today about you can't kill them. You know, the walking dead and stuff like that. TV's full of all kind of movies about people that are, you know, they're zombies and coming up out of the grave. And then, uh, uh, I guess you could say, and I mentioned this the other day, every person born into this world, all children are born dead. It means they're born separated from God. And that's why the Bible says you're dead in your sins and trespasses. It means separated from God. Everyone born in this world is separated from God. That's why he says we're all dead, separated from God. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, you have been quickened, made alive. It means you have been given life, spiritual life. So you were born dead, and now you're born alive. That's a different way of looking at it. All right, look at number five. Number five there, the personality of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people think, well, he's like smoke that gets in your eyes. Well, you can have something that can influence you, but he's more than that. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. Look at this. We believe that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, is a person who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In the present age, he also regenerates believers in Christ indwells them permanently, seals them unto the day of redemption, bestows spiritual gifts upon each one, and fills those yielded to him. So we believe that the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Godhead. Now, a lot of times people go to church and they just join a church and they haven't got a clue what the church believes. A lot of times preachers will have everybody stand, you want to join the church, you come on down, and they vote them in, they want to join the church, yay, now they're members. And Nobody knows what anybody believes. I'm not sure that's the best way to do it. I think people ought to know what they're getting into. This is what we believe. And we don't want anyone coming into our membership and try to change what we believe. This is what we believe. So if somebody comes in and they try to teach something contrary to our doctrinal statement, they're going to be dealt with because they're not coming in here to change our church. Nobody's going to join our church to change it in the sense of our doctrinal statement, we're always willing to learn and get some things from each other, but we've already decided this is what we believe. So nobody's to change us. So uh, you ever seen two people get married? I'll never change them. He's perfect. I'll never try to change her. She's just the way I want her. <laughs> well, we could go a long ways on that one, can't we? But this is a little bit different here. Because God's word is not to be changed. We're supposed to say, this is what the Bible says, this is what we believe, and this is where we stand on it. But look there in John chapter 14 and verse 16. Gospel of John. John chapter 14 and verse 16. Verse 16, and it's... Uh, those three things I mentioned to you before about sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is why he says go into all the world and preach the gospel. Through the gospel, everybody finds out that, you know, 
they're not saved. The, the sin of unbelief. They're not righteous. They're going to be judged. So that's what preaching the gospel does. It warns people too. Now look what he said in verse 16. And I will pray or ask the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. Even though spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See, in the Old Testament he dwelt with them, but in the New Testament he will dwell in you. This is something that is a change. So now he says, when he leaves, he says, I'm going to give you another one just like me, and he's the comforter. Now, he is a comforter when you obey him. And he's a great discomforter if you don't obey him. So the Holy Spirit living within you can bring you a lot of comfort and discomfort. And this is why this is so important. But now notice John chapter 14, and look what he says in verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And that is in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Jesus was here. People had, they had comfort. They knew that Christ could take care of them, provide and work miracles and give them all the food they needed to eat. And um, Jesus says, I, I lost none of those. So now you're talking about, I will not leave you comfortless. Now here you are, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Do you ever feel like you just have no comfort at all? Nobody can comfort me. Do you ever have moments of discouragement, depression, despair, all that? Well, don't you still have the Holy Spirit supposed to give you comfort? Then where is he? <laughs> Why don't I have this comfort? The comfort comes whenever you yield to the Holy Spirit. And he says, now believe me and trust me. I will walk you through this and cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and walk you through whatever it is in life. He can walk you through it. And your comfort comes because you trust him. When you don't trust him, you don't have the comfort. And therefore, you don't have the hope or the joy. So what does the devil do? What is that old sinful nature? The old sinful nature gets you to question and doubt. He ain't going to come through this time. God's going to fail you. He's not going to keep his word. And next thing you know, what do you believe? So you understand this little point. That's a good point. If you feed your faith, your doubts will starve to death. But if you feed your doubts, then your faith will starve to death. So whichever one starves to death is your choice. And whichever one you feed, that's your choice. So you can get stronger or weaker, but it's your choice. So when you get down and discouraged, you chose to do that. Nobody made you get down and discouraged. Nobody made you get in despair. That's a choice you made. And so, meantime, we don't like that because it reveals that my faith is not as strong as I thought it was. So God is always allowing us trials and testings to reveal where our faith is. So whenever you're just, you know, I'm going to really fall apart. Oh, that's a good sign of trust in the Lord, isn't it? And so because of that, it reveals things to us. Pressure, heat, time, all of those things coming in on us. And so sometimes instead of us, you know, running smooth, <laughs> like a yo-yo, and we go back and forth. So 
it's not that you don't yo-yo as much. It just you just you know, well, you're slowing down. You're getting a little bit smoother ride, and learning how to not overreact. But we do that. So notice what he says in verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and he ye in me, and so on. So he says, the Holy Spirit's job is to teach you about Christ. Now look in verse 26. In verse 26. For the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So sometimes we say, well, how did those disciples remember all the things that happened in order to write down, you know, the Gospels and all? Well, the Holy Spirit. He says he's going to bring them to their mind whatever he has said. Now, he hasn't said those things to us. He said it to them. But the Word of God wants to teach us all things. So the Holy Spirit lives within us to teach us the things that God said. So that's why whenever you read the Bible, you have the author of the Bible always present with you. Isn't that good to know? I got the author. And the Holy Spirit can lead and guide you through the Scriptures, and He will teach you what the Bible says. And He doesn't contradict Himself. And if we don't understand something, uh, maybe you haven't read the right verse that explains it. So the key thing is always try to understand complicated verses by the simple, clear verses that you do. John 3.16, Ephesians 2.8-9. Those are very clear. So do you know the Bible can't contradict itself? So all the verses that seems to say that you have to earn your way to heaven, well, what does Ephesians 2.8-9 say? For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. So no other verse can contradict that teaching on salvation because it is truth. So you use a clear verse to try to understand the other. So the gospel, purity of the gospel, is the lens by which you study the scriptures. And if you're messed up on the gospel, you're going to be messed up on a lot of stuff. You're not going to see clearly. So anyway, this is why this is so important. Uh, look there also in chapter 15. Look at verse 26. Verse 26. And look what he says. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now the Holy Spirit never magnifies and glorifies himself. He always magnifies the Lord. Be careful of churches who always talking about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit talks about the Son and magnifies the Son and magnifies the Word and teaches the Word. And you can't see the Spirit and you can't hear the Spirit, but as you study the Scripture, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Now, how does His Spirit bear witness with my spirit that I'm a solid God? Through the Word. The Word says that I'm a child of God. What greater proof do I need? I don't need no other evidence. Well, because the Bible says, and that's what the Holy Spirit says through the teaching of the Word, it's the truth. Sanctify them through thy Word. Thy Word is truth. That's in John chapter 17, verse 17. So it's important to understand this. Now look in chapter 16. Look in verse 7. 
chapter 16 of John and verse 7. Because we want people to know what we believe about the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that performs that miracle of the new birth. That's why Jesus says you must be born of the Spirit. When you were born into this world, you were born of the flesh. Now you're born of the Spirit when you trust Christ as your Savior. In verse 7, nevertheless I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world. Now this is talking about the lost. Now he's going to give you comfort, believers. But he's also going to do more than that. You see, whenever we go into all the world and preach the gospel, through that wonderful message, we will reprove or, I guess you could use the word, convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not. The sin of unbelief. Verse 10, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more here on the earth. But where he's going is the place of righteousness, and to go there, you have to be righteous or perfect to go to heaven. In verse 11, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Satan's already been judged. He's already lost. And so people are going to be judged when there's going to be a great white throne judgment. So you want people to know, look, you're going to be judged. You need to be righteous. You're not where well, you trust Christ as your Savior. So that's kind of in that little capsule we call the gospel. So as we go into all the world and preach the gospel, we want people to know the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. That's judgment. You need to be righteous to go to heaven. And nobody's righteous. And all that you have to do is believe that when Christ died, he died on the cross, paid for your sins, and you can have the free gift of everlasting life. So those things are embedded in the truth of the gospel. So that's why that is so important. Now look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible describes the church as a body of believers. Now picture, for example, it's just a way of imagining this in your mind, imagery. Uh, Jesus Christ on the cross. His body. He was taking the sins of the world upon himself. Now picture that body and pretend like that body was on the cross. That, that was my body. I hung on that cross because see, he did it in my place. I get credit for it. I really didn't do it, but I get credit for it. And when I died, I died and paid for all of my sins. So if I died and paid for all of my sins, I didn't really do it. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I was crucified with Christ. So let's just pretend I'm the one that was on the cross, and I had all my sins. I'm going to pay for my sins. And what's the wages of sin? Death, so I'm going to die. So I died, and I was buried... <coughs> And I came back from the dead. Now God says I should now walk in newness of life. Live as though I'm dead to the world. Because I died. Christ did that for me. Put that to my account. So when you believe that, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God takes every believer and places you into the body of Christ. So we are members of his body. Now, Spiritually, yes, Christ, our head, is in heaven. 
So that's explained in the book of Ephesians. The body is different. It's on the earth. So we have the head and we have a body. I guess I should say the, the head is in heaven, yes, and the body upon the earth. And what's the body supposed to do without a head? Well, we have to stay in connection with the head. So that the Lord tells the body what to do. So we're all members of one body. So you don't go to heaven because you're a member of the local church. Some people teach that. And they say, well, you're not a part of the body of Christ if you're not a member in the local church. No. If you trust Christ as your Savior, you are a member in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit takes and baptizes you into that one body. Now look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. Verse 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized in one body. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no verses in the Bible that commands us to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And the reason is because that's the baptism that Christ does. When John the Baptist came on the scene, he says, I baptize you in water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ is the baptizer. And he baptizes us by the Holy Spirit into his body. So all people who trust Christ as Savior are placed into the body of Christ. And we form the body. And he's the head. So for the 2,000 years from Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, till the rapture, we are the body of Christ. So we are the bride of Christ. And one day, God's going to take his bride. Now some of us are already in heaven. Some of us are still down here. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and that's where we get dressed in the righteous acts of the saints, where we'll be dressed in whatever rewards and so forth that we're going to have, our diary, and then we're going to go to the wedding, and we're going to get married. There's the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then we come back to the earth to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. I like a thousand-year honeymoon for the Lord. And he will literally rule himself, and we will be there. Now, notice what he says in verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now he's talking to the Corinthian Christians. These were not all obedient Christians. They had 14 major problems in this church. They were carnally minded. He said, I cannot speak unto you on the spiritual. They were fleshly minded, disobedient. Some were getting drunk. He said, some are sick, some are weak, some are dead. But notice what he says. For by one spirit are we all some people say, well, that's only the obedient ones. Okay, they're baptized into the body of Christ. Okay, what happens when they're disobedient? Okay, he takes them out. Now they're obedient. Now he puts them back in. Now they're disobedient. Now he takes them back out. What kind of a body is he going to have when he gets to heaven? Oh, there's an arm missing? There's a leg missing? No. Anyone who trusts Christ as Savior, we're not in the body because we deserve to be. We're not in the body because of some good works that we've done. We're in the body because of grace. We didn't earn that. We didn't deserve that. We trusted what Christ did on the cross for us, and he takes us by the Holy Spirit and places us into the body of Christ. Now, because of this, he gives us talents and abilities, gifts, and so forth. Not everybody has the same gifts. Understand this. On the day of Pentecost, a church was born. When the church is born, it's like a little baby. And this little baby 
well, has a lot of toys to play with. These are some of the sign gifts. You know, you get a little baby rattler, and you got this little toy, and you got this little toy, and that little toy. These were sign gifts to confirm the word that he had given. It was the sign that the, these are miraculous things. The baby didn't generate those. God gave those to the church until the word of God is complete. So when the church learns how to feed upon the word of God, he says then those toys would be done away with. So there's a lot of sign gifts, and they were mainly signs were to the Jews. The speaking in tongues, the day of Pentecost, was Jews. In Acts chapter 10, Jews were there. And so as you go through the scripture, you find out they were signs to the Jewish people. Look there in chapter 14. Chapter 14. And look what he says in verse 22. Verse 22. Wherefore, tongues are for a what? Sign. Not to them that believe. So some people say, well, that's a sign that you're really saved. When you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is not. That was be, they were able to speak in the lost man's language. So they could understand and trust the Lord. And it says if there's nobody there, for example, let's say we had over here all Greeks and over here all Hebrew. You speak Greek, they speak Hebrew. Well, here I am and God given me the ability to speak in Chinese. Well, if nobody there can speak Chinese, he said, shut up. He said, because what value is it if they don't understand what you're saying? So it was never in an unknown tongue. No such thing as an unknown tongue. If it's unknown, then how can it be a language? It's unknown. Then it's not a language. So God says, and Paul says, I would rather speak five words that a person can understand than 10,000 words that a person can't understand what you're talking about. He said, because you're just speaking into the air. So if I was to speak in Hebrew, then I should tell those in Greek what I said. So I should interpret for your benefit what I told them. So people today that say they got the gift of tongues, they're lying. Don't you feel sorry about saying stuff like that? No, 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 no. I don't like when people mutilate the scriptures. I know the book. I know every verse on tongues. I know the content above it, below it. I know it. And there is no such thing as what they're talking about doing. It's all based upon feelings. It's like taking a recorder and running the tape backwards. That has nothing to do with God. That's foolishness. And don't you get curious and say, well, I just got to find out if it's real. Oh, Lord, if I'm missing out on something, let it happen to me. <laughs> You're losing it. You're going to lose it. And you can imitate it. And some of them, they got to teach you how to do it. And if you didn't see somebody do it, you wouldn't know anybody did it. They train you. Stay away from that junk. That's not the Lord. It's not the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It was a known language, and this is what we believe. This is what we teach. So we are not what they call charismatic. And I said, I'd like to believe we got people here around here a little charismatic. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think Peter Amato's charismatic. And I think every time that uh, Jesse comes up, I think he's a little charismatic. But uh, if he ever starts speaking in unknown tongues, I'm going to have to deal with him. He does come up and always say, good morning. How are y'all doing today? <laughs> we got some good people here in this church, don't we? That we do. And some are very charismatic. 
except Bob. Bob Gilbert. Hello, Bob. Oh, Bob! <laughs> I think he's fixing to lose it. He's fixing to lose it. But anyway, in the book of Ephesians 4, verse 30, when he says that we are sealed until the day of redemption, and then the Bible tells us, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is simply obeying the Word of God. So what the Word of God tells you, obey it. And stay away from all this here funny stuff. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.